Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and we're bringing you some of the messages that you've sent in over the past few weeks. Uh... I guess if we don't have any business right here at the top, Rob, do you want to jump right in with this message from Mihao responding to our episodes on the Holy Undead? Certainly. Uh, so Mihao writes, hello, Joe and Robert. I hope you're both doing well. I'm writing to you from Poland, where all the trees are now beautifully colored. Winds are getting cold and nights are longer and longer. I love autumn with its atmosphere that suits horror and folktales so well. I was very impressed with your two-parter on the holy undead, and hearing those tales and stories reminded me of one that circulated around my hometown. I grew up in a reasonably small town in the south of Poland where you have mostly forests, hills, bogs, and meadows. It's rather picturesque, but can also get a bit spooky. My town has a population of 10,000 people, and it's rather old. Oldest written record uh, that mentions it dates back to the 14th century, where it's called by its current name, though in Latin. We have a few local legends around, but one always creeped me out more than the others. You see, my town has two parishes. The older one was established in 1870, and the other around the 1980s. Here comes the twist. It's not the old parish that has a creepy tale attached to it. Smiley mm. face. And I assume, like, sinister smiley face. <laughs> um, 
The church from the 80s for a long time was simply a wooden bungalow with a cross mounted on the roof. It's been that way uh, until the priest that was in charge of it raised enough money to build a new proper temple. He oversaw the construction, and with the money that was left, he ordered a graveyard to be built in the proximity of the church. He was a standout man. I actually met him as a kid. He was harsh and very devoted, but just and good with children. But he also had crippling diabetes, and eventually he died because of it. I will never forget his last Mass, where he mumbled prayers and could barely stand behind the altar. Like I said, he was devoted and wouldn't let anyone talk him out of doing his job as long as he could. Due to reasons unknown to me, he did not consecrate the graveyard that he built. It's widely known across my town that he wanted to, and the fact that he didn't was one of his biggest regrets. So the tale that I wanted to tell you, but I felt compelled to make uh, into an intro to, is that his restless spirit haunted the graveyard, demanding it be consecrated. His body was actually the first one to be laid to the ground over there, which I always found to be quite something. So legend says that if you'd venture into the yard at night, you could have met uh, with the ghost of a priest asking you to do all you can to consecrate the land. The ghost would go on and say that no soul will ever leave the place until it's properly consecrated. Eventually, the new priest came over, and the first thing he did was he went to the graveyard with a bucket of holy water. Smiley face. Uh, It must have laid the old priest's spirit to rest because all the accounts of him haunting the place ended there. I've never seen the ghost, nor went to the cemetery at night, but I know a lot of folks who swear they've seen the apparition. When I was a kid, I believed it without asking any questions. Now, though, I think of it as a creepy and wholesome tale from an otherwise quite boring corner of the world. I hope this email wasn't too long and you found some entertainment reading it. Stay spooky and happy Halloween. Mihao. Wow. So a a thoroughly authentic modern story of the pious undead. This is uh, quite similar to the to the tales we were talking about in the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. This is quite a treat. Uh, the one thing I like in this one is that it's one of those ghost stories that involves uh, the ghost specifically asking the living to do something on behalf of the ghost. I don't mm-hmm. think any of the other tales had that or maybe I'm forgetting one. Uh, the other ones were just like, get out of here. This is It's ghost time now, you know? <laughs> this yeah, ghost night business. T- yeah, exactly. Uh, no humans allowed. Uh, but this one, it seems to suggest a supernatural set of rules, including the idea that a graveyard that is not yet consecrated is like a prison for ghosts. The, the spirits cannot leave until it's consecrated, and he needs the new priest to throw the holy water on. Yeah, this is neat because it it also lines up with a lot of modern ghost stories and ghost media where ghost is doing something and it's a, and it, it leads to the question, well, what can we do to fix this? Let's fix this. Yeah. And I feel like some of the better ghost stories like uh so like say the ring subvert this by ultimately the answer being nothing. Like you 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 may think you can reason with the undead, but you cannot. Uh this reminds me a lot of some of the stuff we talked about in the Leshy episode from last year that I believe we recently reran, where we talked about the idea of the wilderness, like the older mm-hmm. idea of the wilderness often being one where it's it's wild out there. It, it, it maybe it has rules, but it's not rules you can understand. Um and we get into a more modern understanding where it's like, oh, we know basically how the, the, the wilds work and we can, we can you know, try and do things to, um, to, to follow those laws or fix things, etc. And I wonder if we see a similar thing here with the, with the idea of the, the wild world of the spirits. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and you mentioned the ring. I mean, I think there are a few stories I can think of that are sort of like this where, um, uh, where 
if there is a logic to the wild world of the spirits and there are rules there, the, the extent to which you can grasp the rules and leverage them is only enough to sort of like get you personally out of trouble, not to sort mm-hmm. of make everything right. Right. Which ultimately is the resolution in the ring, right? It's the, you know, you, you can't really like fix the problem. You can only sort of help the, help the evil spread and that'll at least save your skin for the time being. Right. All right, this next message comes from Matt. This is on our pair of episodes on the invention of the chainsaw. Matt says, good day, fellas. Regarding your Sawin-adjacent chainsaw episodes, which were excellent, I thought you'd be interested to hear about a particularly interesting and potentially deadly chainsaw-slash-logging-related phenomenon known as the barber chair. The name alone falls in line with the seasonal theme, I think. A barber chair refers to a particular result of improperly cutting the front hinge point of a tree, causing unintended pressure in the middle of the trunk elsewhere. I'm not a professional, so please take this description with a large pinch of salt. The result is that the tree splits upwards and falls somewhere overhead of the intended felling notch, and not necessarily in the direction intended. I've seen it happen on smaller trees while cutting trails through the bush. Even small ones can still be dangerous, but I imagine it's quite scary on larger ones. It can also ruin what would otherwise be good lumber. There are many reasons professional arborists warn people about the dangers of an improperly cut hinge. Maybe someday a horror director will utilize the barber's chair on film. Thanks for the episode, Matt. Uh, And so, Matt, I had no idea about this. Uh, Thank you for letting us know because I looked this up and it is astonishing and scary. So it it is as Matt describes. In some cases, you can be sawing horizontally into the trunk of a tree. And if the circumstances are right, the tree can start to fall over before you have cut all the way through. And this leads to the the trunk splitting vertically. So like part of the trunk peels off of the rest of the trunk and flips up like a like a hinge or like a like a trap lever sort of springing up out of nowhere. And I've seen uh, I've watched some videos of this happening in real time while people are taping themselves sawing through trees, which I guess is uh, you have to be lucky enough to be recording the sawing through anyway, which would normally not be something that uh, people would think to film. But, uh, yeah, it it looks really scary when it happens. Suddenly, like uh, the the tree starts kind of twisting in a way that isn't expected. And in both of the cases, I saw the the sawyer who's working the chainsaw gets out of the way fast enough to not be harmed. But I've also seen illustrations of how uh, loggers could be killed by this. For example, if the hinge that pops up when the trunk splits up the vertical axis, it can basically pop up like a big, uh, you know, a big smacking arm and like hit you in the head and kill you. Yeah. I hope one of the big takeaways from our chainsaw episodes, and these are, I think things that were, that either I kind of learned or were, you know, uh, strengthened for me is that, okay, in, in our culture, we might think that the, the saw, the chainsaw is kind of our right, you know, that it's like, of course I need a chainsaw or I should get a chainsaw or if something needs sawing in my backyard. I should just go get one and I can do this. Uh, but it, 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 you know, regardless of, of what your decision happens to be on a matter like that, like respect the saw, respect the, the fact that it is a tool that can, uh, can potentially be dangerous or put you in a dangerous position. And, uh, you know, you should, you should absolutely take it seriously. 
Yeah, the saw and the tree. Respect the tree. Yeah, the, yeah. Because the, the the tree too is one of those things where when the tree is is healthy and standing uh, still, uh, as they do most of the time, it's easy to forget like how dangerous they can be if they are suddenly in motion. Yeah, exactly. And and especially in this case, if they're in motion in a way that you didn't expect. So you may be taking proper safety precautions in, in terms of no one being down line of the tree in the direction that you're expecting it to fall. But if you have one of these barber chair incidents, the tree could be exerting sudden violent force in directions that you did not plan. Yeah. Now, as for seeing the the barber chair in a horror movie, I, d- I don't really want to see that. Um, <laughs> I think if you were to tell me, yes, we finally we've made a chainsaw horror movie, and it's about realistic chainsaw injuries and chainsaw related uh, fatalities, I'd be like, no, that does not sound good. You keep your final destination chainsaw movie. I'm trying to imagine how that would be used in a plot. I mean, like, is there a pivotal tree cutting down scene? Like, is Leatherface chasing somebody and he has to cut down a tree to get to them, but then the barber chair smacks him and, and defeats well, him? Um, I, you know, I'll tell you what. If someone is heart set on creating a film like this, I'll tell you that Michael Shea wrote a short story. I think it's called Uncle Tugs that had some some chainsaw mishaps in it and because the plot had to do with like loggers in northern california and there was like a grow house and also some sort of vengeful ghost and i believe the vengeful ghost was causing some accidents to occur hmm. and so that would actually be a pretty decent story if someone wanted to to find some sort of narrative structure in which to fit a whole bunch of chainsaw accidents Well, speaking of chainsaw accidents, the next message that we're going to read also uh, does mention these, so be forewarned. All right. This is from Kenneth. Hi, Robin Joe. Excellent episode on the invention and history of the chainsaw. I had been planning to write in a few days ago, but the unexpectedly early birth of our first child put thoughts of an email on the back burner. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth continues, I had a couple of thoughts regarding chainsaws, the first of which was the dramatic and near-fatal experience of a friend's husband. A tree surgeon by trade, he was at work removing heavy overhanging bows from a large urban oak. The section he was working on was high above the street, so he ascended using a cherry picker, then made his way through the branches and secured himself to the trunk with a harness. Unfortunately, at some point in the tree's long history, something substantial had been secured to the branch. As it grew, it had entirely absorbed a thick steel bolt. When his chainsaw reached the hidden metal, it kicked back violently, biting deep into his thigh and nicking the femoral artery. It was only through the quick thinking of his colleague, the speedy arrival of the fire service, and close proximity to a hospital that his life was saved. Oh, this gets right into something you mentioned in the episodes, that the one of the main sources of direct injuries from chainsaws being kickback. Yeah, and here, yeah, this sound, this um, yeah, unseen metal hidden within the tree branch. And yeah, you, you do see plenty of this in a, well, not only in an urban environment, even in a rural environment. You see, yeah. you see trees growing around metal, be it, uh, you know, weird. I've certainly seen weird poles positioned near trees and on trees. And you see yeah. trees growing in and around uh, fencing. So uh, that's, that's interesting and terrifying. I'm glad they, uh, it, it turned out okay. Yeah, the tree just swallows stuff. So, yes, uh, like Rob said, very very glad to hear your your friend's husband was all right. Kenneth continues, My second thought, since the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Evil Dead were so central to the episode, uh, was about chainsaws as weapons. 
I know Rob has a bit of a soft spot for Games Workshop models, and it's impossible to talk about Warhammer 40,000 without considering a space marine welding a chain sword. I've included a photograph of a space marine apothecary, basically a battlefield medic, bearing one of these weapons. If you look closely at his wrist, you'll notice he's also equipped with a smaller medical chainsaw, though I'm assuming this is for on-the-spot amputations rather than obstetrics. <laughs> I'm assuming that the space marine apothecary is not strongly informed by real-life medical science. No, no. I think if memory serves, one of his primary jobs is to remove the gene seed from a corpse. I don't know. The, you, oh, okay. The, 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 the real lore masters out there will have to uh, uh, tell me if I'm correct on that. So I'm not even sure he's supposed to save lives as much as, like, let's get that important uh, gene thingy out of the dead body. Um, anyway, The, the Space Marine Apothecary does not have a Hippocratic Oath. Yeah, probably not. Uh, Kenneth continues, I'm not sure a chain sword would be a particularly effective weapon. You probably couldn't use it like a traditional sword as parrying and violent striking attacks would cause damage to the mechanism. It would probably have to be uh, brought to bear on vulnerable points without great chopping swings. I do enjoy the idea of the chain sword as a futuristic melee weapon. It's in the vein of the viroblade, lightsaber, and monofilament edges of other sci-fi uh, weapons, but is typically over the top, fitting the brutality of the grim dark setting better it brims with the implication you alluded to that the weapon itself is hungry that the that only the slightest touch can cause catastrophic damage even getting away from the user in its eagerness to be about its purpose it is a brutal weapon unlike the more civilized lightsaber even though the latter would be even more devastating uh, anyway thanks for the amazing show keep up the great work kenneth sounds like kenneth throwing cold water on my texas lightsaber massacre idea <laughs> yeah well you know it would be uh well it would be a lot of clean cuts that's the thing uh as for the the chain swords i actually did have a note about chain swords in the notes for our chainsaw episodes but then i decided not to say anything about it because i'm like ah they don't want to hear anything about warhammer in this episode but um but no true <laughs> enough there there are a lot of chain swords in there i'm not sure surely chain swords pop up in other fiction um but this is the main place you see them. And yeah, I don't think they would particularly be practical weapons, uh, even if you, you try to explain them away with a bunch of like, you know, high tech materials and, you know, uh, you know super well designed, um, uh, you know, chain and so forth. Uh, but it does fit this sort of this grim, you know, at times overly macho uh, uh, vibe that uh, that Warhammer 40,000 has going for it and probably ties in well to a lot of the, you know, the satire, I think, that was originally intended by the, the world. But anyway, Kenneth, thanks for writing in. And uh, once more, congrats on the kiddo. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the, uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. 
Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Okay, Rob, you ready for a couple of messages having to do with Weird House Cinema or at least adjacent to it? Let's do it. Okay, let's see. How about this one from Nathan? Nathan says, Hi, Joe, Robert, and Seth. I was recently watching the cinematic masterpiece, Christine, not long after re-listening to your episode on The Ship of Theseus, which is one of my favorites. I started wondering about the lore of the movie. And if you're not familiar, this is a movie about, I don't know, a demonic car that a guy, a guy has a kind of unhealthy, obsessive relationship with. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. Uh, If the car had been completely restored, every single part, would it still be so murderous? Or is the car possessed on a deeper level? We're asking the tough questions here. 
Nathan, Nathan then says, I also really enjoyed your recent episodes on the invention of the chainsaw. However, I can't believe you didn't mention Paul Bunyan. The 1958 Disney short is a classic, even for someone like me who isn't the biggest Disney fan. Anyway, you guys do a great job. And again, thanks for keeping me entertained on my boring overnight grocery job, Nathan. Well, Nathan, I uh, did not have time to watch the whole short before we uh, we started recording here, but I, I clicked around and saw some moments of it. Uh, one of the things that really got me is it starts off by sh- – and, and I love the animation style, by the way, so it, it does look great. Uh, but it starts off by showing a shadow of the, the title hero, Paul Bunyan, looming over a map of North America – and I noticed something I thought was really interesting. I was like, wow, they chose to depict Paul Bunyan with long hair that he wears in a bun. And I was like, could that be a choice connected to the name Bunyan? Uh, <laughs> but then I realized I had simply been misled by the silhouette. He's actually wearing some kind of wool cap that has like a pom-pom or a, a mm. gathered up section on the top. So he doesn't have a bun, but I thought that would have been cool. Um, and I guess – you know, in the broader sense, not that unusual. Tons of kinds of like bun and top knot hairstyles have been common for men in plenty of cultures uh, throughout history. But would, it would have been interesting to see Paul Bunyan in a cartoon from the 50s with a bun. Alas. <laughs> I vaguely remember this cartoon looking at these stills, but I guess it's not one that I watched a lot or maybe we didn't have on VHS. Yeah, I think it's like 17 minutes long. So I don't know what was the venue for showing things like this in the 50s. It's like shorter than a obviously much shorter than a feature length uh movie Do, would this like play in a movie theater or play like before a feature film i i don't know that sounds like a question for our producer seth what do you know reporting from from a few minutes later seth did have the answer seth knows everything about animation well i don't want to put too much pressure on him but he, he does often have the answer here uh so apparently these shorts were originally compiled into feature films and uh, so, you know, uh, you'd have Paul Bunyan alongside some other shorts of a similar type, and and that would be shown as a feature in, in theaters. But then later, I guess they were split up and shown in other ways. Hmm. Uh, and, but also, like I said, I, I did not have time to watch this whole thing, but skipping around, there is a fun scene where uh, Paul Bunyan walks through a forest and he's just mowing down trees by swinging his axe back and forth like it's a weed eater. And then he walks back over the ground. He is cut down, uh, stomping on all of the stumps to to sink them down into the earth. And uh, and also, Nathan doesn't mention it, but I assume this is part of what he's referring to as uh, saying that this would have been a good thing to fit into our episode on the chainsaw because there's a part where Paul Bunyan, it looks like he has to compete against a guy who shows up with a steam powered saw. So it's like, oh, the wow. war, yeah, it's the war against the machines. Thou, <laughs> thou shalt not make a saw in the likeness of man. <laughs> uh, now, as for his Christine question, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's always a fun one. At what point, uh, if you were to totally strip the car apart for parts, you know, would, would those parts make other cars haunted? I don't know. You could also apply this to a haunted house uh, story. So if you were to tear down the house and rebuild the house in in the same spot, is it still haunted? Uh, often I think movies would say yes, just maybe like the ground is haunted. What if you dug up all the ground and moved the earth away? Is it still the, the geographical coordinates are haunted? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the idea is there's got to be something that latches on to the idea of the ghost, you know. it's uh, yeah. There's, there's got to be some something where there's a forge connection. So if you took the car apart, like the ghost would have to, in a sense, choose the thing that he wanted to continue to, to, to haunt. 
Because as I recall in the book, it's more about like there's a dude, a dead dude who haunts the car. And then in the movie, they kind of made the choice to make it be more like the car is is alive, um, which I think I ultimately liked more. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so like the ghost has to choose like, what are you going to be? Uh, the, do you want to be the tires? You want to be probably the steering wheel, you know, or the or some <laughs> like the engine block? I don't know. Steering wheel gets a lot of love. Yeah. I want to be the hood ornament. <laughs> that would be good, too. You know, it's very symbolic. All right, here's another one. This one comes to us from Brian. Hey, Robert and Joe, I'm a longtime fan of your podcasts. And after hearing Rob mention that he watched Black Sabbath on AMC+, I signed up for a trial, which led me to then watching House by the Cemetery. I was obviously pretty excited that you chose it for your next uh, episode of Weird House Cinema. While you both did a great job of describing the surreal weirdness of that movie, uh, I assume he means uh, House by the Cemetery, I believe you left out mentioning two incidents that were so jarring to my girlfriend and me that we had to rewind just to confirm we hadn't misunderstood them. The first was that despite Norman and his family having had no previous relationship to the titular house, there was a quite large photo of that very house in their apartment in Manhattan. (laughs) Yep. It's the one Bob is looking at while his mother packs uh, in the beginning. It is rare for a family to have a 12 by 12 photo of a house they've never seen before hanging in their living room and then subsequently move into that house and never once address it. Yeah. And also that that photo has Bob explicitly tells his mother that the photo was talking to him and she seems <laughs> uninterested in this fact. Yeah, there's... There's absolutely no way to answer this question in a way that makes sense. Like, like no matter like what sort of mental hoops you jump through to to try and make it work, uh, it just gets it just gets more confusing. Uh, but Brian continues. The second was when the realtor says to Norman as they are arranging to rent the house, quote, of course, you've been there before, haven't you, Dr. Boyle? Norman gets a guilty look on his face while Lucy gives him a suspicious eye. He half-heartedly denies the allegation and moves on. Uh, we took the meaning of this to be that Dr. Boyle had had sexual trysts in the home like his former colleague, and the realtor was accidentally exposing this in front of his wife. We were laughing pretty hard because what sort of realtor says, I believe you've had an affair in this home, no? To his <laughs> prospective client. Who knows? It's never addressed again. Uh, just uh, thought you might enjoy knowing that the movie made even less sense than you had already believed. Wow. I did not even notice that second one. Um, I remember the second one. I didn't even think about the idea of it being like uh, an affair situation. I was just confused by it. Like, cause yeah. they're like, you've been there before, right? You came with your, your daughter. Cause this was another thing. He said, you came here with your daughter, right? And he's like, no, I have a son. So yeah. I was, I was thinking it had something to do with the ghosts and the idea that like, not only are they like another family to come to the house, but they're kind of like an echo of the family that had been there previously. Like the yeah. house attracts a certain type. Um, You've always been the caretaker here. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, that sort of thing. I guess it kind of, I mean, that may indeed be the true um, origin is like looking to sort of, um, uh, you know, inspiration for, uh, from other films that, that uh, Fulci might have been looking at. But mm-hmm. I, I guess I'll stand by what I said earlier. If there's something that doesn't make sense in a Fulci movie, um, very little uh, is going to be revealed by trying. You, you can't make it make sense. Like, right. <laughs> the nonsense is <laughs> yeah. like baked into the DNA of the thing. I think another way to put that is a lot of times I don't even get the feeling that Fulci is trying to make it make sense and failing. He's just not even trying. 
Right. Yeah. Like, and so not, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes because in other movies, you can sort of you can go through that mental exercise and you can I can make it make sense because the the creator was trying to make something make sense. Uh, but uh-huh. but not necessarily the case with Fulci. Oh, uh, and here we have an, another little bit from Brian. He has a PS attached. Uh, quote, an ad for J&B Scotch on, an, on a New York City bus in the beginning of the movie reminded me of what a staple it is in Jallo films. I feel like y'all could run up a pretty high count of all the J&B bottles or ads you see in Weird House Cinema movies. Just a thought. Uh, and then uh, he includes a link uh, that is jnbinthemovies.com and says, loving the episodes. Uh, thanks, Brian. Have have we not talked about this on the show before? I know that this is something I've talked about a lot, but maybe not on mic. So mm-hmm. J&B is in every Italian horror movie. There's almost always a bottle that shows up somewhere. Rachel and I point these out to each other every time when we watch a Jallo movie or just any Italian horror movie. I, I, I can scarcely remember having watched one where a J&B bottle doesn't appear at some point. I this might have been off mic, but I remember this popping up with uh, Return of the Blind Dead because yeah. there's the scene where they're all gonna uh, the, the new fireworks man is in town. They're gonna all have a drink, and I was thinking, oh, well, I'm, I'm kind of interested in what are they gonna drink? Is it something you know, um, something kind of Spanish or something uh, you know that's going to be really fitting of the, the the location or where it's right, supposed to take a, place? A nice Spanish sherry or something. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was J and B, right? Uh, yeah. I, I seem to recall well, it was J and B. Well, no, actually, I wonder if we, that might have come up because I was expecting it to be J&B, and then it wasn't. And it wasn't. Oh, okay. okay. But, Brian, in any case, you are absolutely correct. There, Almost every Italian horror movie I've ever seen has J&B in it. I, do, I don't know why that is. I don't know if they had, like, a their national film board had a, uh, had a like, ad relationship or something, or maybe it was just a, a perfectly spontaneous uh, replication phenomenon. I, I really don't know. I now that I'm thinking about it, I think Return of the Living Dead just had some sort of. I think maybe it was British whiskey of some sort. Mm, okay, uh, Return of the Blind yeah, Dead. Yeah, yeah, Return Return of the Blind Dead. So it was. Yeah, it was not Spanish. It was. It was something uh, less exciting. I mean, nothing against J and B, but. Ah, yeah, I mean, no thoughts one way or another, really. But uh, if somebody out there is like an Italian film historian who wants to tell us why J and B is in all these movies, I would I would love to know. Uh, but that that website is pretty amusing because it is just movie after movie, and like you can see, oh, there it is. There's J and B in the background. All right, there's a bottle on the table. Yep, yep. They're pouring some J and B in that scene. Oh man, one of the top entries on the blog right now is Beyond the Door. That's one uh, <laughs> that I know has come up on Weird House Cinema before. That's the Italian exorcist ripoff where they're discussing baby names and and a lady quite hilariously goes, what about Steve? (laughs) No knock on people named Steve, but I don't know. It's funny. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close the mailbag for today. But hey, certainly keep the the Halloween related uh, listener mails uh, coming in. We'll continue to address those, obviously. And uh, yeah, so, so just write in with thoughts on past episodes, current episodes, potential future episodes um, of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, the core episodes of um, our, our Friday Weird House Cinema episodes, um, you know, anything related to the artifacts on Wednesday or just, you know, other listener mails that we read on Mondays. Huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful audio producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Thank you.
Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.